What for you is the most holy hour of your week? What do you think is the most holy hour of the church's week? In this church, I wonder if the most holy hour of the week occurs not in this sanctuary on Sunday morning, but on Monday. Every Monday at noon, a mismatched group of corporate types and common people convenes in our heritage room right here next to the chapel. Some are smartly dressed. Some are homeless. Some look very sophisticated. Others are clearly struggling. The group meets here to engage in the sacred act of truth-telling. These folks come together to admit the things that most of us loathe to admit. Our powerlessness our dependency. These folks sit around the table in a room without windows. They confess to God and to themselves and to each other the demons and the deep things that they're fighting. Under the low ceiling of that room and surrounded by this wall of portraits of the church's prior pastors, they ask for help. They admit their fears, they share their tears, and they encourage each other to move from darkness to light. It goes like this. My name is Jeremy, and I'm an alcoholic. Every Monday at noon, we host a meeting of AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, in our church building, a sacred and holy hour. Many recovering alcoholics say that they never found a church quite like AA. They have never found a community so honest, so sincere about the pains and the struggles of life, so united in their shared brokenness. We have a very awesome church, Second Presbyterian in downtown Richmond. We come from all parts of the metro area. We strive for great worship and wonderful music. We seek sincere connections and community that strengthen us. And we seek to encourage each other in serving God, bearing God's light in this city and as far as we can go around the world. This is a great church. But here's the truth. I've learned this again and again. People bond far more deeply over shared brokenness than shared beliefs. Sharing life and fellowship is so good and important, but sharing suffering and sharing loss and sharing the struggle, that's where real faith and real fellowship are forged. We would all prefer to have everything happy and hearty, but life is about smiles and joy and prosperity and peace is what life is about. That is where the term prosperity gospel comes from. It's so tempting. But we know better. Life is full of heartache. Life is full of loss. Life is full of challenge and setback. Even persecution and pain. And the folks at AA are not afraid to admit it. And you know what? Jesus wasn't afraid to admit it either. 
Across the last few weeks, we've been looking at the Beatitudes from Matthew chapter 5. And as we have moved through these words of Jesus, these blessings of Jesus poured out upon the people, we learn how Jesus' words raise up people. The poor in spirit receive the kingdom. The, those who mourn are comforted. The meek inherit the earth. The peacemakers are, ch- are called children of God. This all feels good and right. It's gospel. Gospel for those who need it, who deserve it the most. But then we get to this last beatitude when Christians really get engaged in the world, when Christians really are engaged in faithful living, faithfulness every day. It's not good things that come. Not good things that come. It is persecution. It is suffering. Because when you really follow Jesus, people revile you. That's what it says. Listen to this final beatitude in Matthew five ten through 12. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the word of the Lord. We have a wonderful tendency to want to follow Jesus and assume that all will be well. We have this inclination to think that the better we live, the less trouble we're going to have. We want to assume that if we love God and love others, which is what God calls us to be about, we're going to be happy. Yet this beatitude teaches the opposite. When we are faithful, we should expect trouble. When we love God and when we love others, we will encounter persecution. When we live by faith, we will win, not accolades. We will even be reviled. Jesus says, persecution, disdain, that comes when you are faithful. And you know what? It's a sign of blessing. Rejoice and be glad, Jesus says. Your reward is great in heaven. Wow, gee, thanks. Persecution, reviled, rejoice in it. Really? So here's Jesus saying what he says in other places. To follow Jesus is not an invitation to an easy and uncomplicated life. To follow Jesus is to move closer to the kingdom. It's awesome. But with it comes peril and with it comes persecution. 2 Timothy 3.12 puts it very succinctly. And I quote, All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. End quote. These are strange and difficult thoughts for most of us. We prefer things easy. We prefer things comfortable. We spend a lot of energy trying to make things easy and comfortable, shaping our lives around security and comfort and easiness. We want to smooth everything out. That seems to be the best. This is what we want for our children. 
Smooth it out. Make it easy, comfortable. Sacrifice, serve, open ourselves to persecution as faithful people, really? We're not even sure we want to sacrifice Sunday morning to come to worship. We're not even sure we want to be identified as Christian in our culture. That might sully our reputation. What will people think of us? Yet, when we really, when we really, when we really follow Christ, some might like to say it's about prosperity. Some might like to say it's about comfort. But Jesus reminds us it is about peril. I like the way G.K. Chesterton puts it. The Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It's been found difficult and left untried. Jesus keeps reminding us that the way to the kingdom is the hard way. It's so difficult that many of us really leave the faithful path untried. Yet Christian faith, following Jesus, is the way to life, and it's the way to light, and it's the way to love, and it's the way to peace. And it comes with costs, great costs, peril and pain. That is what this last beatitude tells us. When we really walk in the ways of Jesus, when we seek to follow Jesus most faithfully, we're going to be persecuted. We're going to be reviled. This begs a question. Begs a question from my own heart. It begs a question from all of us. When has our faith led us to being persecuted? Ever? When have we been reviled for following Christ? Ever? If we have not, have we really been faithful? Are we really disciples? Jesus says, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness, for my sake. When I was a child, my father served as a pastor of First Presbyterian Church in Auburn, Alabama. One of the goals of my upcoming sabbatical, you may have read about this, is to review many of my father's papers and many of my father's sermons, which I've recently retrieved from my parents' home. Here's what I already know. In the early 1960s, First Presbyterian Church, Auburn, Alabama, was caught up in the swirl of racial tension and turmoil in that town. Many in the church were nervous about civil rights. Civil rights? Integration? Many in the church were fearful of change. Many in the church were very unsure of what it would bring. My father, as pastor of that congregation, was active among the clergy in Auburn. He was a vocal advocate for integration of Auburn University. He was a leader in pushing for justice and righteousness in the town. He was challenging the people of that church, challenging the people in town to be faithful. It wasn't easy. In fact, it was extremely difficult. My father's actions drew the anger, the animosity of church members and the community, including the KKK, Many days during that season, especially when my father was out serving God, the phone would ring at the manse next to the church 
where we live. My mother would answer the phone. The voice on the line would say, don't you love your children? We're going to blow up your house. Or don't you want to see your husband again? He's messing with stuff that don't go around here. There are other Presbyterians, even in this sanctuary, who were in similar settings and fighting similar battles. Both within the church and within the town, then there was great tension, and my parents, even 50 years later, would talk, and my mother still, with trepidation in her voice when she describes those days, it was horrible. That's what she says. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Theirs is the kingdom of God, Jesus says. Blessed are you when you're reviled on my account. By the time Martin Luther King led the march on Selma in 1965, many people had struggled, many people had even died for civil rights. King spoke of the calling of serving God. This is what he said. I can't promise you that you won't get beaten. I can't promise you that you won't get your house bombed. I can't promise that you won't get scarred up a bit. But we must stand up for what is right. If you haven't discovered something that's worth dying for, you haven't found anything worth living for. The call to follow Jesus It's a serious and sincere calling. It's worth living for. It's worth dying for. We keep working on our faithfulness. All of us. Are we living faithfully? Are we living sacrificially? Are we serving God really? Are we giving our lives to God, loving God, loving others? This is our calling. And we're each continuing to work on this, asking, what does Jesus really expect of me? That's what we ask. What does Jesus really expect of me? And we keep asking it. This passage makes me think seriously about my own life. Feeling persecuted might be something that we can all identify with. We understand it. We might feel persecuted about various things that come our way. Maybe at work we have to deal with difficult people. It feels like persecution. Maybe at There are circumstances, unfair treatments that happen to us. It feels like persecution or some health issue arises or some loss comes our way that takes away or changes life as we know it. It feels like persecution. Jesus isn't talking about that. Not that. Jesus is talking about persecuted for righteousness sake. Persecution because of faith. Persecution because of standing with God And serving God, when people revile you for that. I've experienced this a few times. A few times. One memorable incident in South Carolina when I was serving as a pastor. I stood next to the governor with some faith leaders. The governor in those days, in that state, wanted to remove the Confederate flag from the top of the Capitol relocated to another place on the Capitol grounds. The flag on the state Capitol should represent all the people and not be offensive to many of the people. That's what the governor was saying. It seemed like a just and righteous thing. So I spoke out about it. I preached on it. I wrote about it. 
But in those days in South Carolina, this was controversial. My voice, my position made lots of people mad, even people in my church. It brought various levels of persecution against me, including people urging that I seek another call somewhere. There have been other moments when faith has led me to stand at a certain place or speak on certain things about inclusion or about injustice. But look, I know. I know how easy my life remains in terms of persecution. I know. Is it too easy? My life? Your life? Is it really about following Jesus? Got to keep asking that. We're called first and foremost to love God and love God's people, to serve God with our very lives, to live faithfully. That can lead to some perilous situations. Jesus keeps challenging us, inviting us, calling us. We prefer the easy road. I know it. Jesus says it's not going to be easy when it's faithful. We're inclined toward getting along. We're inclined toward going along. Jesus says, follow me. Blessed are those of you when people revile you and utter all kinds of evil against you on my account. Rejoice and be glad. Your reward is great in heaven. The very difficult experience of suffering because of faith, it's all through the Bible. All through the Bible. Psalm 27 comes from someone who's very much afraid, surrounded by mean people, enemies encamped against me, is how it says it, in deep peril. And yet the promise holds. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? We've read news reports recently. In these days, people killed because of their faith. In the Middle East, in Syria, in Egypt. Christians ambushed because they're Christians. Christians beaten and killed because they're Christians. Blessed are those who are persecuted. For righteousness' sake, theirs is the kingdom. These words encourage us to think about our lives. What are our priorities? Do we just go through the motions, watch TV, go to a game, go to the mall, acquire some things, just keep on living the good life? Are we serving Christ with all the decisions we're making, with the priorities, the actions that are ours? How do we delve deeper into real discipleship? How can we follow Christ really, sincerely, more nearly, love God more clearly together? We want to keep working on this when it brings peril, when it brings hardship for following. That's a measure of faithfulness. Rejoice and be glad, Jesus says. I came upon this week <clears throat> a Franciscan benediction that really gets my attention in light of Christ's call to be faithful disciples, to love and serve with real devotion. Listen carefully with me to these words. May God bless you with discomfort. Discomfort at easy answers, half-truths, superficial relationships. So then you can live deep in your heart. May God bless you with anger, anger at injustice, 
Anger at oppression. Anger at exploitation of people. Anger so that you can work for justice and freedom and peace. May God bless you with tears. Tears. Tears to shed for those who suffer pain, suffer rejection, suffer hunger, suffer war. Tears so that you may reach out your hand to comfort them and turn their pain to joy. May God bless you with enough foolishness, foolishness to believe that you can make a difference in the world, foolishness so that you can do what others claim cannot be done, bring justice and kindness to all children and to the poor. May God bless you. Amen. May God bless us all toward real faithfulness and discipleship following Jesus. Let us pray. (coughs) Holy God, to turn from you is to fall. To turn to you is to rise. To stand with you, to serve you, to love. That's to abide forever. We seek that way following Christ. Amen.